Welcome everyone to the In Focus podcast, where we talk with business leaders, thinkers, and innovators about data, how to simplify, unpack, and make people feel good about data. We also squeeze in some new perspectives, inspiration, and ideas about business life. This podcast is created by the team at Focus Data Analytics, with the aim of introducing you to people we have met who all have something to say. We hope you enjoy these stories from the Focus community. Welcome to the In Focus podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest and data enthusiast, Nick Seaman from Midwich. Nick is the business administration manager at the global AV equipment distributor. So think screens, lighting, and sound of every configuration for every market. Welcome, Nick. Hi there, April. Thanks for having me today. It's great to have you with us to chat. So uh, if you're comfortable, let's jump straight on in. Much of your career so far has been at Midwich since you joined in 2003. The company has made many acquisitions and grown globally. Is there a couple of significant moments that shaped your approach to the business? Yeah, certainly. Um, indeed, Midwich has grown, it's evolved, it's changed, it's expanded massively in the time since I joined. And um, we were a hundred million pound business back in around the sort of 2000 mark, uh, 100 million pound turnover, 100 staff, and that's naturally really evolved and changed. And we're probably nearer to 10 times that now. Um, we, we've gone through being a, a management led limited company through to being a, a global PLC now. And uh, there's been a lot of things that have influenced how we've, we've grown, how we've diversified. Uh, we've had some great leadership, we've had a, a brilliant culture within the business. Uh, where everyone has has their their opportunity to put forward ideas, and uh, we're we're adaptable. We change in, in tune with our needs, our supplier needs, our customer needs, and and the evolution of the market. We're we're very quick to get onto new technology trends. Um, so in the last uh, five six years, we've we've uh, introduced ourselves into LED technology or uh, large scale display. Uh, we've moved into the audio sector in many territories that we operate in and lighting and it's just kept us involved in in what is an evolving and a growing market for us fantastic so you started in sales and moved to business analyst business administration manager roles firstly for listeners who do not know what does a business administration manager do and then what do sales and data have in common? And how would you describe what a data-driven sales approach looks like at Midwich? So yeah, business administration manager, it's, uh, it's an all-encompassing role, certainly within our business, but um, put it into a, a few words. We have a very large, diverse sales team. We have a very large um, and experienced commercial team who face our suppliers, our vendors. And the business administration team helps join those two elements of the business through systems, uh, reporting, communication, and the like um, to enable that flow of goods into our business and out of our business to function at the most optimal level. Uh, the team that I manage uh, administer a number of software platforms that we use day in, day out. So Focus is our primary BI system at the minute. Uh, we have a, a pipeline software system that we use as well. So we administer Focus and, and our pipeline system 
and ensure that people have the right resources to learn it, to use it to, to the optimum. Um, we administer a lot of the access uh, parts of our ERP system, our, our order management system, our telephone system, uh, the, the list goes on and on. We've got a lot of software in a business and we are the team that helps coordinate the use of a lot of those platforms. Um, with all of our software platforms that we, we use to, to make our business turn, a lot of data is generated all day, every day. So in our sales operation, we're, we're doing thousands of quotes. We're doing, well, we're, we're entering hundreds and thousands of sales orders. Our customer service team is uh, handling all sorts of uh, query, after sales queries. Um, our customers are wanting to know when stock is arriving that they've got on order with us. Uh, all of this creates a, a heap of data, uh, be it for internal colleagues uh, as customers per se, or for our, our reseller partners out in the market, and indeed our vendors who we share lots of data with for an effective uh, operation. So day in, day out, hour in, hour out, we are constantly generating reporting that helps us deliver the best possible customer service to our to our customers and also to make sure that we want run our business in, a, in an efficient manner um, that we do the best we can for each other within the business oh that's great uh, i mean the midwich group is massive with a thousand plus people working across the globe who are your internal and external clients and how do you service them with access to data? So yeah, the Midrich Group is, is massive compared to when I joined the business and um, we're still quite separate in, in a number of entities. Really, if we, we consider we work in Asia Pacific, EMEA and North America, um, across many, many companies. Uh, in, in the UK and Ireland, we have a number of operations that use common systems, common software, so that's where we come into play in the business administration team. So we support a number of UK businesses in the group, uh, our business in uh, Ireland and elements of our business in France as well. So within all those businesses, we our, our primary client or customer is, is probably our colleague. In the majority, it's our sales operations closely followed by our, our business management team, our commercial team, uh, plus our operations team. So that's uh, from purchasing to uh, customer service and the like. So we're furnishing them with data to help them make good decisions to keep their uh, own customers up to date. Um, we, we serve them through all sorts of reporting and, and focus is becoming an, an, an increasingly large part of that through some of the functionality it offers us with uh, favorite reports, favorite that you can subscribe to and we're pushing more and more data into the focus uh, infrastructure now so that instead of running ad hoc reports for, for colleagues day in day out we give them a favorite that they can tweak to their own needs and then subscribe on a, a daily basis if it suits that particular part of the business um, so they do get lots of data in, in subscribed emails dashboards reports uh, and we have hundreds of staff who have access to focus across the UK, Ireland and France. Um, we've been using focus for a lot of years now and user adoption is fantastic now. We've, we've got so many people using it day in, day out. I look at the number of queries, colleagues 
uh, querying the data a thousand times a month, which in truth, that could be far too much. And we might look to, to help with some efficiencies there, but it, it clearly shows that our business relies on data and uses data all the time in, in an informed manner to, to help them with their day-to-day -day roles. So what are your top tips for helping drive adoption of data usage at Midwich? Even further, let's say, than you've just said um, before. In any business, I'm sure we're no different. We have some, some absolutely data-driven colleagues. We have a, a middle sector of people that, that use data day in, day out, and we have people that don't have a natural affinity to data. So we make sure that we approach colleagues in a variety of manners with how they might want to consume that data. So um, my tips would be make sure you you ask the questions, would you prefer to re receive a, a spreadsheet, a table? Would you prefer to have a look on an online page at a number of tables? Would you prefer dashboards? So in, in that sense, I, I'd always say, give your internal or external customers the, the choice on how they want to receive data, how they want to, to use it. Because if if they're receiving in a manner that suits them, they are they're more likely to take action um, one of the things over the years I've probably found is we've got to make it very, very clear what time period all this data reflects. Uh, not, not too uncommon is a question of, can I have that data year to date when perhaps it is year to date, but is it year to date including current months or up until the close of the last month? So make it really clear what that time period covers. We use focus for, as I mentioned before, in giving people lots of favorite reports that they can go and use that are pre-filtered to the dimensions, time periods and measures that, that we make available. Um, get those users to tweak it further to their exact needs, get them to save it, subscribe to it so they receive that in their mailbox, even whether that's to consume as a spreadsheet or as a trigger to go online and see it in the flesh. Um, and make it so that your users don't have to constantly go digging for what they want, make, uh, make the shop window uh, all encompassing in that sense. Um, if it's available and it's easy, user adoption tends to be good. Yeah, great. So giving them the data in the format they prefer um, and making it easy for them to be able to access it seems key. That's great. Um, can you give us an example of where data insights have helped you convince an internal or external customer to change their mind about a situation? That's a really good question, actually, April. And I'd say we've probably got hundreds of these uh, that happen on an almost ongoing basis. Um, and certainly in the last year, with um, 2020 being affected quite significantly in, in most businesses, we've had to use data to help make decisions about all sorts of things from resource to uh, stockholding, all of those sorts of things. So um, some of the things that we've, we've done over the last year, which has helped either reinforce someone's already made decision, which is always great, or to just tweak their decision taps to a, a slightly different tangent. We, we've had all sorts. So we've, we've looked at a COVID recovery sales uh, tracker that we've, the, the senior leadership team have had access to, looking at how many orders we're taking on a daily basis, uh, how many quotes we're issuing, how many uh, 
uh, sales, we're invoicing and looking at those trends to, to suggest what maybe the, the sales cycle is. Is it three weeks, five weeks, seven weeks? Um, which has helped us in considering our stock intake, for example. When, when do we take stock in relative to when that uh, kit's going to leave our warehouse? Um, we've uh, just going on that theme with, with stock. Stock's naturally a big, big thing for us. We've, we represent some of the biggest brands in the world. And making the right stock available at the right time is also a, a big key. So we've, uh, through uh, Focus, created a uh, stock management favorite that all our purchases and business management guys uh, get access to. Uh, and that's providing insights to uh, whether we have maybe an overstock in certain scenarios, maybe an understock where we might need to initiate a purchase order for some stock. And that on a, a day in day out basis is going to assist those, those colleagues in placing order at the right time for the right stock as well. And also, looking at our, our sales pipeline, which we, we run in a different platform, but we, uh, we extract some data out there and push it into focus using the, the sync interface. And that's enabling us to get a, a gauge on how healthy our pipeline is. That's not how much opportunity we've got to sell, but, but of those opportunities we're, we're tracking on the pipeline, are we, are we following them up suitably quickly? Are we uh, expediting the, the, the process from quotation through to order. Uh, and we, we have a pipeline health dashboard that helps uh, inform sales managers, inform sales colleagues of uh, how their pipeline looks and, and maybe what they need to start doing a little bit more of perhaps. So you're using data to um, shape decisions and um, really plan out how your business responds, which is fantastic. What are the factors that make or break an AV business of your scale? Um, we have uh, a great position in the market, um, whether it's booming or not. Um, we really benchmark ourselves on, on how we perform within the market. Um, we use vendor share data, customer share data as metrics. Um, but sitting over the top of that is the sort of sentiment of, of how we do that so well. Um, Internal service, external service influences this massively and our people and our culture, our midwich way, as we call it, uh, and our core seven values really uh, underpin how well we deliver service to our, our partners. We, we don't stop pushing ourselves. We, we're constantly wanting to improve and act. And at the end of a great quarter or a great month, the second third of the following month, we're then pushing ourselves on how can we repeat it how can we do it better um we've got a brilliant uh, number of colleagues around the business uh, that really do make midwich how successful we are so i think um having a dynamic team having a leadership that uh, supports decision making through the business really is the key there it's our culture it's our people we've won loads of accolades loads of awards over the years and some really prestigious ones at that. So um, it's a recognition of our, our people, our staff. Right, Nick, you mentioned there the seven values of Midwich. Can you expand on that and let us know what they are? Thanks, April. You've really put me on the spot there and um, I'm sure my colleagues will be listening with a, a wry smile. Uh, so yeah, we we underpin our business with, with seven key values. And I'll touch on a couple of the ones that certainly I've, I try and live to in every 
part of my role and, and my team's role. So um, giving our best, it's, it's natural to, to say that, but if we're constantly trying to give that 100%, the output should be strong. Um, we act with empathy and respect for colleagues, customers, suppliers. Um, we're continuously trying to improve. So that's something that maybe me personally and the team that I work with, we're constantly trying to do is looking for those marginal changes that we can help the business make that deliver those incremental improvements that we need. And that's that's one that we really do use data for. Can we make sure we answer as many of those inbound telephone calls as possible? Can we do that in a timely manner? Can we uh, maximize the number of products we're quoting? Can we make sure we offer the upsells? All those things. So continuous improvement is, is one of the, the, the real big ones for us. Fairness, naturally, that's that's something we, we, we live and breathe every day. So yeah, we've, we've got all those uh, up on posters around the business. Not that many people are working from the offices at the minute, but we, we constantly live to those. And in all the company uh, major update meetings, they, they always get a mention. It's good to see that they're actually being lived, which is, uh, I'm sure your, your whole team will be pleased to hear. Can you provide an example of where data insights have saved Midwich money or helped drive efficiencies? So, yeah, we, like I was saying about continually looking to improve the business, where our department can, can have an impact is looking for where we could save money, where we could maximise return on investment. Early in our COVID era, sort of March, April, April, May time, 2020, we started looking at our resource, which we did have to peg back. You know, the business was tough in 2020 and we had to scale our workforce through the furlough scheme to be in sync with that. So during that time, we did have fewer staff working and we had to look at how our resource fitted our business needs. Um, we were looking at the call volumes into the business, the all, all the metrics that we re report on every day. Was that the right resourcing for those um, for those needs? Uh, and so we we created a, a piece of work again underpinned with data that emanates from focus to to make sure that we had got the right resourcing level for the right level of business that was was happening and. Thankfully, we're now in a position in the business that we're backing growth from 2019, most notably. And it's that piece of work that we did mid last year that really helped us stay in tune so that our customers got the great service that we pride ourselves on, even though maybe we didn't have quite the resource that we would ordinarily have. And, and we did some customer surveying back in mid 2020. And the customer feedback was that we were we've given them everything they possibly need, looking after them brilliantly well, um, which kind of reinforces that we've got the right level of staffing, but we, we wanted to make sure that we uh, helped build that business back and it, it, it came good through, through the back end of 2020 and, it, and certainly into 2021. So um, yeah, that, that piece of work we did back then was, was really, really valuable. So um, <clears throat> now, now for a tricky question, uh, what mistakes have you made with data tools? Oh, that's a good one as well. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. I've um, certainly 
missed some tricks. Uh, I'd say one of the, the key ones that, from my perspective, is we can automate data generation until the cows come home. It's, it's time saving, it's efficient and the like. But just sometimes having your eyes on the data during that build process is a good thing. Um, seeing uh, an outlandishly big number or small number um, and just stopping the process can help you avoid some embarrassing mistakes through making some assumptions that data's spot on. It, it probably still happens on a, a monthly basis that I'll, I'll issue a, uh, a little bit of a report to someone and go, oh, I may have, uh, may have included the wrong, wrong data set under that. Let me redo it. So I'd, I'd say definitely having my eyes on the data as part of the, the processing bit is, is really valuable. And, and we've got a, a new colleague on the team and that's I was chatting with him just earlier today and, and he said that's absolutely one of the things he's learned very early in his career in data now is that don't over automate it um keep your eyes on it because uh you can have a few little whoopsie moments and um, no direct uh, admission of guilt there but um <laughs> plenty plenty of lessons to be learned everything's learned through failure um Midwich is a specialist AV distributor across several industries, so no doubt your client base was affected by COVID with the closure of businesses and schools and the cancellation of events, particularly everywhere. Can you give us some insight into how you managed what sectors needed your products and how data helped Midwich be resilient? Yeah, the product portfolio that Midwich have is, is diverse. Um, good chunk of it is fairly specialised into certain industries, certain verticals. And yeah, that COVID closure times, the, the lockdowns did impact those quite heavily. The hospitality and leisure sector, for example, you know, a lot of time, uh, a long period of time where pubs were shut uh, and the like. And and products going into those sectors, yeah, that, that was a little bit quiet. Um, the health sector was very busy, as you, you'd probably imagine. Uh, so there was um, there was quite a lot of need there, and we were very much focused on ensuring that we, we got the goods to those sectors, the, the health sectors, as quickly as possible uh, to make sure that that, that, risk, that COVID response could continue in, in, in the way it did. Um, schools, uh, yeah, some obviously when they were closed for the lockdowns, that made it very tricky, but uh, more so in the logistics of it than their their buying patterns. It looks like the, the education sector has continued in, in all, for all intents and purposes. Uh, so so that, was, that was good for us. Um, and we've diversified into, into some technology sectors that have been positive for, for education as well in the, the last couple of years. So that, that was a, a positive. I'd say the LED rental part of our business, there weren't many expos and shows uh, and, and the like. Um, at the NEC or the O2 or, or, or anywhere like that. So that part of our business was, was quite normal. Um, but we we put enough energy into the sectors that were, were open, that were doing well to ensure that um, we got the products there. We had the stock holding to suit it. And it provided us with a, a pretty resilient output. Um, and we learned a, a masses along the way through 2020 that's put us in really good stead for for 2021 and beyond. Jumping off of that, um, 
how is Midwich in EMEA tracking now? And those elements of what you learned from COVID, what changes that you made are you going to continue to use going forward? We had a very positive outlook for the first half of 2021 um, with uh, significant growth year on year. So the numbers certainly were looking more positive. Uh, and I think if lockdown restrictions continue to ease across all the different territories we operate in, I think that momentum will be carried through the second half of 2021 to, to put us in a, a pretty good stead. As I said, there were lots of learnings along the way. And one of the key ones for us was all of a sudden we all had to work from home back in, well, the back end of March 2020. And we did take the decision slightly earlier than lockdown uh, in March last year to, to get our staff home, make sure they're safe. And that meant that they're in position up and running in all the homes around the UK, Ireland, France, to, um, to operate the business effectively from when that first initial lockdown happened. And yeah, we've, we've recognised that working from home does have its benefits, but without doubt, there is a, a mantra that we are better together, uh, something that uh, is, is talked about with our business routinely. So the, the work from home element of, of Midwich has been looked at for the long term. I certainly wouldn't think that we are a work from home business. There might be some hybrid type working to, to move to. There's definitely an ability to deliver certain pieces of work very effectively from, from a home environment without the, the distractions of an office. But you just don't get those opportune moments in the corridor where you say to your colleague, oh, I've been meaning to ask you about X, Y, or Z, or have you thought about doing this or this? So I think they're, they're the key learnings is that there's probably a, an evolution of the way we, we work. Our staff have always been our absolute priority. So wellness and well-being is very, very well looked after by Midwich. But I'd say we're, we're just looking at how that best fits fits us for moving forward. Uh, I, for one, I, I'd say I've been very efficient working from home, but there's the odd time where you think, oh, do I have to book a meeting with a colleague just for having that five minute chat about something fairly low key? Whereas the office just provides that, that serendipitous environment to just chat things through and have that camaraderie, have that banter. We're a great bunch of people and I, we love being around each other. And yeah, I think everyone does miss that. We've got a brilliant office culture. We have a lot of fun in the office and yeah, that's, that's missing. Midwich sells a lot of products, including large screens and equipment. I'd be interested in understanding how you manage these stock holdings and the logistics of serving customers in this type of business. Where are your warehouses for EMEA? How big are they? And how long does it take for products to get out to your customers? Yeah, we, we have a huge portfolio of um, technology types of uh, vendors we represent uh, and hold lots and lots of stock to make sure we can have that product to our customer in, in the right place at the right time. We do use focus software to help manage that through looking at run rates, uh, replenishment levels, which help trigger us uh, to make purchase orders. But we also have a really very, very experienced, very on it commercial team, business management team who know the trends of business, know the uh, elements of business that you can't see in data. So things like 
if there's a short supply or if a product is going to become end of line to be replaced. And that's where there's definitely the human connection that is supported by data. So without both, we wouldn't achieve what we achieve, but we, we certainly do need a, a BI tool to help us look at what we've got stock of, how long we've had it, is it competitive and the like. So we, we use a good old Microsoft Excel for a good chunk of it, but, but focus for, for a significant part as well. Um, the stock is held primarily in, in the Midlands, but the Midrich Limited in the UK, and we have an, a few other warehouses uh, around the UK, but um, our primary one is, is there. And we work with all the top flight couriers uh, and carriers in the UK to offer that next day delivery. So just to pick your brains a little bit more personally here, what books have you read or podcasts have you listened to recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Books I've read are probably kids' bedtime storybooks in the majority, but um, but there's one particular podcast that I've enjoyed lately, um, uh, and there's a bit of background to it. So I, I'm, I love cricket. Uh, funnily enough, it's a data type sport, so I love I love seeing seeing cricket. And I follow a, a podcast called Middle Please Umpire. Check it out. It's uh, Miles Jupp, the comedian, uh, and Mark Wood, the England fast bowler. Uh, they've got a great double act going on there. So I've enjoyed their interviews, especially the David Gow one. That was a was a cracker. So uh, yeah, Middle Please Umpire. Check check that one out. Otherwise, books would be sort of Biff and Chip. <laughs> I think uh, Biff and Chip might be more my uh, more my lane, actually, instead of cricket, sadly. <laughs> um, and for the final question we have on our sheet here, based on your business experience now, what would be your advice to yourself when you were starting out with Midwich? What would you have done differently and what would you have not? So, yeah, I've done a real mixture of roles within the business. And, and actually, I, my way into Midwich was a, as a temp. So I, I never really applied for a job. I sort of was a temp that never left. And um, yeah, I've uh, enjoyed telesales. I've enjoyed a bit of a hybrid job, uh, visiting customers and, and office-based sales management. Uh, did some data analytics and moved into more of a, a business administration role and, and the management of that team. So having been with the business for ooh, getting on for two decades now, I think I've, I've learned a lot about what we do i've learned a lot about how we inter interface with our colleagues and uh, i'll probably say be a good listener that would be maybe one that i could could argue is one of my foibles certainly from my, maybe my my formative years and um yeah listen um listen to understand not listen to respond i'd say don't assume you know best naturally um be open-minded make up your mind slowly Definitely that one. Um, I was chatting to a colleague this morning and um, I said, don't turn down any training either, be it uh, you know, certified professional training or something that a colleague is showing you. Uh, so be, be eager to learn, especially when it comes to business tools. So uh, like Excel, uh, you know, know my way around Excel, but I've only recently taught myself how to use tables. So I'd say I wish back in my early years I sort of jumped a bit more at the training that was on offer to me and then probably more in a, in a data-driven world uh, get to know your data so it's easy to just see 
massive tables with millions of rows and tens of columns, but get to know it, meander about it, uh, learn what it shows you, learn the pitfalls and learn how you might want to manipulate it before beginning the process. I've got loads of tools and processes that I've built, which have sort of been built upon and then built upon and then built upon. And if I look back, I think, what a mess. I wish I'd done it in a different manner. So I, I'd say look at your data very early on in your process and really get to know it uh, and how you might want to manipulate it. But yeah, probably my, my best piece of advice from starting out would be listen, be a good listener. Thanks for a great discussion, Nick Seaman. We hope listeners get value from Nick's insights into using data to improve processes so people have more time to value add. We include links to Midwich and Focus in the show notes. Feel free to share this In Focus podcast with others. Thanks for joining us at the In Focus podcast. To find all our podcasts, go to www.focussoftware forward slash podcasts and be up to date with the new ones as they drop. Follow Focus on LinkedIn, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And feel free to share this In Focus podcast with others.